Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the U.S. Digital Service brings its superpowers to the executive order on customer experience. One of our superpowers is that we have the ability to sort of easily go work with multiple agencies simultaneously. So we'll start doing user research with a couple of them, understand what's happening, and then sort of that expands and iterates and we add sections. The federal CIO pushes agencies to pull in the same direction. We are all solving the same problem across government, across many agencies, and it is really important that we learn from each other, that we share resources, playbooks, um, best practices, contracting language when appropriate. And the key to a successful TMF project isn't technology. We want to make sure that we are focused on proposals that have great leadership backing. It's Monday, December 20th, 2021. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. The Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Board of Directors has a new chairman. Jeff Dalton will succeed Carlton Johnson. Dalton was vice chair before taking over as chair. Carlton Johnson will be on tomorrow's Daily Scoop podcast for an exit interview. The Department of Veterans Affairs has a new chief information officer. The Senate confirmed Kurt Del Bene to become Assistant Secretary of Veterans Affairs for Information and Technology unanimously. Del Bene retired from Microsoft in September as Executive Vice President of Corporate Strategy, Core Services, and Operations. Admiral Christopher Grady is officially the new vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The Senate confirmed him by voice vote, too. His last assignment was commander of the 6th Fleet and Naval Striking and Support Forces NATO. You can read more about all of these headlines and lots of other stories at fedscoop.com. February 8th is the Delivering Better Outcomes Through Automation event FedScoop's putting on. It's at the Ritz-Carlton West End in D.C. from 8.30 to 3. You'll learn how agencies are adopting automation to build capacity efficiency and accuracy to deliver better outcomes you can read more about it and register through the link in today's show notes at the daily scoop podcast.com the chief information officer of the united states and the leader of the u.s digital service will team up to execute the white house executive order on customer experience the leaders of those offices say their work will center around the eo and the president's management agenda Claire Martirana is the Chief Information Officer of the United States. Mina Shung is the Administrator of the U.S. Digital Service. Ladies, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. Claire, I want to start with you because as we talked about a little bit before we started recording, this is kind of, in my view, an unprecedented combination team-up of USDS and OCIO at OMB. What drove that evolution in the way that these two offices work together, and why was this point in time, the EO and customer experience, the right time to manifest that. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Francis. Um, and I'm really delighted to be here with Mina Shung. Um, Mina and I have had the benefit of, since joining the Biden-Harris administration, of really partnering, right? The, the challenges that we're dealing with in our federal IT um, and cybersecurity space is a team sport. And we need the best and the brightest of the career staff, contracting teams, and teams like USDS, TTS, to join us um, in what are these really important um, efforts that we're undertaking. 
Mina, does this represent some kind of new manifestation for USDS, a, a kind of an evolution of mission, or is this more a solidification of what the original intent of USDS was in your view? Welcome. Thank you so much. Um, I think it's both, frankly. I mean, I think that the original things that USDS did frequently are still critically important, but there is an evolution here. Um, we are, you know, working more closely over time with more and more agencies. I think you asked, why are we working so closely together? Claire and I both have like sufficient experience in, in this arena now to sort of see how it evolves. And um, my time spent in agencies, you know, we're much more focused on capacity building and supporting agencies to sort of build long-term capabilities than we had been in the past because that is an option now and, and sort of has worked well in an array of places. Um, so we're definitely looking to do that a lot more. And obviously that requires really close partnership with Claire and her team. Uh, this manifestation came to me in the form of a blog post that you folks wrote after the executive order came out. And you write in that blog post, we're making strategic changes in how we plan our technological investments across government by deploying teams of designers, product managers, and engineers to deliver digital solutions. Claire, what will that look like to the organizations across government that will receive that help, that will receive that support? Um, I think it's very uh, similar to the way that we're currently working uh, at the in the office of the federal CIO. We continue to work with agency CIOs to make sure they're set up for success, uh, that they have the technical teams that they need. Um, we are working to remove obstacles, whether they be obstacles in guidance or um, uh, funding obstacles uh, sometimes. So I think that it is really an extension of what we have been doing previously. Previously. Um, and I, we represent the uh, White House's technology team. And so it's important for us to be working together on the most strategic uh, parts of the uh, president's agenda. That message, Mina, that you're part of the White House's technology team, the administration's technology team, strikes me as an element that may have been missing from this relationship over time. You think maybe that's the uh, one really important overarching message here is that you all are on the same team. You're all working toward the, the same goals in the same direction. Absolutely. I think we're more aligned on approach and objectives um, than ever before. And that just makes it much more straightforward to work together and really critical there are four elements that you and Mina write about, Claire, and the first is bolstering cybersecurity. I don't think anybody has to think twice about the importance of cybersecurity, but is there something that the customer service EO or the effort that you're undertaking will do more or better or differently or faster or whatever regarding cybersecurity? Well, the great part about um, cyber is we are focused as an administration on all of the assets that we can bring to bear. We work very closely with CISA, with the new um, Office of the National uh, Cyber Director, um, with our federal CISO, uh, Chris de Russia, um, and with our USDS colleagues and our GSA colleagues at TTS. We really all focus on cybersecurity as the foundation of our modern IT environment. We build one of the exciting things where the CXEO is going to intersect and really impact our uh, security posture across the government is 
in the tools and services that we are building currently, they are secure by design. Cybersecurity is top of mind. We don't um, add it on as a bolt-on afterwards. I think you'll see with our zero trust strategy that uh, we are the entire federal government is moving from a perimeter defense basically to playing a one-on-one defense uh, using zero trust. Was there a cultural element, Mina, in uh, guiding government and guiding the vendor community, too, toward a secure by design uh, mentality? Because that's something, I mean, I've been in this space 15 years, and we were talking about that when I first came into this space. The, that that necessity to not bolt security on the way that uh, Claire just described. Absolutely. I mean, I think there is a component of just sort of bringing the expectations from the private sector. So there's a lot of places um, where new techniques, new tools, we know more now. And so bringing that same set of expectations around performance and how implementation happens is definitely a piece of it. Another big piece of it has been changing the way we think about contracting. Because if you don't, if you try and write it into a separate contract, of course, it's going to look like its own separate silo, right? So making sure that as we're letting contracts and really setting expectations for what what a system has to look like. We have to be upfront and clear about all of our expectations around that. Um, But the opportunities are huge, right? Private sector has discovered that consumer experience can really contribute to security. Fewer times entering information, fewer mistakes. And so um, the opportunity to sort of bring those to government is, is tremendous. The second item that you and Claire write about, Mean, is reducing barriers to underserved communities. And the note here is by identifying pain points when dealing with the government. One of the things that uh, USDS, I think, has had a tremendous influence on across the government in the years that it's existed is that that customer journey, that citizen journey concept. That's a term that I, I did not hear at all before USDS existed. Now it's everywhere. What's the influence of that? In, the, in, in what somebody experiences, especially when moving from agency to agency while on the same track as outlined in the fact sheet of the executive order. Um, I really appreciate that. And, you know, coming back to government, it's been very gratifying to hear how much it's part of the conversation. It's critically important, right? Um, companies don't think of like, okay, it's this business unit, it's this business unit, it's this business unit. They think about the customer as one person. And we need to be doing that too, because it's one person who needs to move between agencies and access all of these different services and capabilities. If we don't understand what their experience looks like, we can't make it better for them. And so we have to spend the time really walking in their shoes, walking with them and understanding exactly what set of things they need and how they interact together. And that allows us to do a much better job of uh, improving those experiences, stitching them together, making it simpler. Mina, when you take on uh, one of those projects, not you personally, but when USDS takes on one of those projects, how do you go about understanding that you have all the steps in that journey to make sure that you're providing the experience that the customer wants? That seems to me, especially when somebody has to move from agency to agency to be the most difficult part to make sure you have all the pieces to begin with. Yeah, it's an iterative process. Frequently, even within an agency, you don't always know that certain customers are accessing so many different services. And so, you know, you start doing user research. One of our superpowers is that we have the ability to sort of easily go work with multiple agencies simultaneously. So we'll start doing user research with a couple of them, understand what's happening, and then sort of that expands and iterates and we add sections. Um, So, you know, the other piece of a lot of this user experience work is, um, and customer experience work is, you're never done, right? You're always striving to make it better. You're always learning new things about the experience. And so making sure that you're not sort of 
tied into one way of doing things, but continually adding as more information becomes available is important as well. Claire, the third item that you and Mina write about is reducing burden for the federal workforce and the public by securing systems across agencies. You are, I think, uniquely qualified to address this one coming from OPM as the CIO there because you're interacting with every single agency in the federal government. You saw firsthand what that interoperability was and how well or it worked or how well it didn't work. Uh, what do you think the biggest roadblocks are to that cross-agency system connection as as it stands today? I think there are some basic um, uh, rules and regulations that need to evolve um, uh, in the 21st century. So, things like computer matching agreements, um, you know, guidance that we have written um, and then have updated guidance on top of it, but have not rescinded the prior guidance. So, we are doing a fair amount of work in the um, office of the CIO, also uh, on the cybersecurity front as well, to look at everything that we have on the books so that we can really um, make sure that we are focusing people on the highest value work. We are reducing the burden, especially the burden to the federal workforce. There is a lot of compliance-based um, activity that goes on, and we want to make sure that that compliance, which is critical and important, but it's focused on what matters today. You know, we've just gone through two very crazy years of IT teams pivoting and doing things in a much more rapid manner, days, you know, hours and days versus weeks, months, sometimes years. And so, we want to make sure that all of our guidance, um, you know, binding operational directives, et cetera, are keeping pace with where we are today and managing the risk that we're dealing with today versus looking back historically on things uh, where the moment might have passed. That uh, workforce work requires a strong, resilient workforce to do the work. What's that look like in the wake of almost two years of uh, remote work environments, uh, telework uh, work environments, and people who are really, really afraid at this point, Claire? Yeah, I, I completely hear you on the frayed. Um, we are working very hard uh, across the government to really recognize where we are with our federal workforce. Um, but I have to say, I see nothing but optimism out of the federal workforce. The response I've gotten for this CXEO has been extraordinary. People that I worked with five years ago have reached out to me and said how excited they were because a lot of the work that we're doing with the CXEO is built upon many years of people's efforts. We did not magically land in a spaceship and start this work off, right? This has been the, the passion and, and dedication of people that have been do, trying to improve service delivery to the American public. I, I'd say there's artifacts that I have seen that are 20 years old that are talking about life experiences and the journey of the um, American, uh, you know, uh, the the public trying to transit agencies. So this is not brand new, but we are really shining a light on it to try and create the momentum um, and with the president's signature of the executive order, the uh, administration's leadership uh, in this area. Mina, USDS is not an area where I think traditionally people would have thought of 
uh, as a capacity builder broadly for the workforce. I think people think of USDS primarily as a, as a rapid response unit that comes into an organization, builds capacity in that way. But we talked a little bit before we started this uh, conversation that uh, that's changing too. That's another role of USDS that's evolving, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I think the visible things that make headlines are, of course, around rapid response. But for example, we've been a integral part of the VA's journey towards a better customer experience over time, providing a lot of capacity and motivation in early days and then continuing to provide support over time. Um, And there's a lot of other places. So the fact that Claire is now the federal CIO is like USDS participating in capacity building, right? We got Claire in here. She she was engaged and trained up. We have a number of other CIOs who come through USDS um, and we have other teams like CMS, we came in as part of a rapid response, but over time working side by side on work, you know, we have helped the agency figure out what they're really looking for and, you know, also placed a CIO there and have um, teams critically engaged. So I think this has been organic, like it is what has actually happened and it demonstrates the extent to which the career workforce really has the appetite to do this kind of work and just sort of needed additional support and additional help up front. Um, and so, you know, it has continued to sort of evolve in that way. Mean of the last item on the list that you and Claire wrote about in this blog post is delivering a more modern, secure customer experience for the American public by using up-to-date design and technology. That sounds to me like you're getting at the heart of what technologists across government have tried to do for years, which is create a similar experience in the public sector to what people experience in e-commerce and other aspects uh, of their private sector lives. Am I on the right track there? Absolutely. And this is one of the reasons it's so critical for us to partner with Claire, right? So there's lots of aspects of using modern technologies that just are a little bit more challenging in government because we haven't caught up on how we give guidance or regulation around how to use cloud tools. And so partnering allows us to bring both the knowledge of how to implement it and also, you know, for us to make sure that the government really supports it and, and has the right sort of best practices and policies and procedures around it. Claire, you and uh, Mina write about working with the other offices in OMB, OIRA, OFFM, OFPP, and others, and it sounds to me like that's what Mina just alluded to there is the reason why all those collaborations are important, to make sure that you're delivering on what you're promising at the same time you're meeting all the legal and policy obligations that you have to, right? Yeah, um, you know, this has really been um, an effort across OMB and across the White House to get the CXEO done. Mira Tandon, senior advisor to the president, uh, Jason Miller, the deputy director for management, they really convened this cross OMB group of people to work specifically with agencies. Um, uh, Jason Miller chairs the PMC, the President's Management Council. And one of the great things about this executive order is this was designed with agencies not for them. This was not a top-down effort of OMB says thou shalt do these things. This was really us thinking about our customers holistically, thinking about the capabilities that the administration has and how we could work together and how we need to work together because policy and delivery go hand in hand. You cannot separate those two things. To have great policy, it should be informed by delivery. And to have great delivery, it's got to be compliant with policy. So really making sure that those things work together is how we got the, you know, 17 agencies to really step up on their commitments 
And we have 30, I believe it's 38 um, commitments uh, that are tactical or 36 specific com consumer um, uh, experience improvement commitments that came out of that group from the PMC. So I think that really speaks to um, this being an all of OMB effort as well as an all of administration effort. Uh, I'm going to take a break. Uh, Mina, I will let you go. And I thank you very much for joining this conversation and I look forward to having you come back on the program and talk about your uh, progress. And uh, thank you for your time today. Claire, stand by and we'll continue the conversation in just a moment. And you can find a link to the EO on customer experience and the fact sheet in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. As I mentioned in the headlines at the beginning of the program, Carlton Johnson is leaving the CMMC board. He'll tell you what he learned as chairman of that board on tomorrow's show. That Daily Scoop podcast debuts Tuesday afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. More of my conversation now with the Federal Chief Information Officer, Claire Martirana. Claire, thanks for continuing the conversation. The president's management agenda that we talked about a moment ago with you and Mina doesn't just impact the customer service experience uh, um, executive order, obviously. It impacts the entire way that I think you are looking at transformation of IT across agencies. How is it, how is it informing the way that you want to go about helping agencies make progress to move forward? Well, the president's management agenda is a really important tool um, that we have uh, across government. Um, the uh, pillars that we chose um, for this president's management agenda really sync up uh, extremely nicely with the CX executive order that we just put out. So um, the first pillar is workforce, which is important and underlies every single thing that we do. And then the second pillar as um, the CX EO. Um, and that is focused on um, delivering excellent, equitable, and secure federal services to the American public. And that is, you know, just square in the middle of every single thing that we are working on. Um, the PMA, what's really great about it is it gives agencies the mandate and also the permission to put their customers at the center of mission delivery. So agencies will be designing their products and services, working side by side with their customers to ensure they understand their needs, um, do journey mapping, focus on the moments that matter, um, to be able to deliver that more set the simple, seamless, and secure experience. Also, something I'm really passionate about is accessibility, making sure we're meeting customers where they are. So we will still have customers that need uh, to call a call center and the call centers should be excellent. And we should know who they are when they're calling and be able to route someone uh, in a frictionless way to the services that they need. Some people will also need to continue um, to visit government services in person. And we want to make sure those uh um, experiences are seamless as well. So we're really trying to think holistically about this um, and try to be kind of a, a bureaucracy buster for agencies when um, this isn't a lack of folks supporting mission that don't want to do these things. They desperately want to do these things. They've been at this for years and focusing on it. And we hope the momentum we create by this executive order does um, really give them the tools that they need to be uh, 
increasingly more successful. From a technology perspective, government has tried over the years a couple of different approaches. They've tried creating something that works for government from scratch that has rarely worked. They've tried uh, moving, dragging and dropping basically private sector solutions into government environments that has rarely worked. What's the right balance there to strike to achieve what you're laying out here and achieve what the employees and citizens want, which is just all this stuff to work as your, as your colleague at GSA, Robin Carnahan says, just get the damn websites to work. Yeah. You know, we, we spend a lot of money across the federal government on technology and we have been making some mistakes over and over again. And that really comes down to um, silos and us not thinking holistically about both the journey that the customer goes on and how we operate as a federal enterprise. So you'll hear me say enterprise all the time because to uh, something we touched on in the last conversation, um, We are all solving the same problem across government, across many agencies, and it is really important that we learn from each other, that we share resources, playbooks, um, best practices, contracting language when appropriate, right? There are so many ways that we can accelerate our ability to work together as a team um, across government. I am a proponent of some shared services, but I think some of them in the past have been burdened by repayment that didn't give them enough of a chance to build their customer base um, and have uh, real sustainment funding over many years, which is what it takes to build any business, right? You can't just start a business and go from zero to 100 million people. Um, You have to start it slow and incremental. And in this government environment, I think that has been challenging. But I see a huge opportunity for us to improve um, that ability um, in the near future. All right. When you say repayment, I think of the Technology Modernization Fund, and we'll go there in a little bit. But I wanted to ask you first, when you're talking about this enterprise-wide view of the government, does that mean, in your view, a higher profile potentially for the CIO Council, a more collaborative work with the CIO Council among, for example, uh, the Chief Financial Officers Council and the other councils across government, CAO, all of that? Um, historically, they've been in silos too, and there hasn't been much interaction mm-hmm. among those. Is that something that you think would be important? That has been really top of mind. The councils are incredible because they are convening leaders and sharing, right? Best practices, you know, um, sometimes failures uh, so that we don't repeat them. So it is really up to us. We've been, um, I think, doing a good job, but we can do a great job at sharing some of this information more widely across our councils. How would that manifest itself, do you think? What would you like to see happen? What would you be willing to push from the CIO Council's perspective to make that work? We have some ideas about the CXEO that I think will require us to break down those barriers and work together. So just like the mandate from uh, Jason Miller as uh, and Shalanda Young that we are one OMB and we are going to be supporting this executive order together, um, it is the same with our councils. So we want the chief data officers at the table, the CFOs at the table, our acquisition professionals at the table, 
our privacy professionals at the table. When we are looking to do a user experience that crosses agency boundaries, we are going to need the best of all of those people at the table to help us actually design and execute how we'll roll that out. Because it isn't as simple as us writing this on a piece of paper and deciding to do it. We actually have to go through many, many steps, um, building this iteratively, um, running into obstacles along the way, making sure we remediate those in order to continue the forward momentum. The chief data officers are certainly at the table in the chief data officers council, and they are at work on the data strategy year two action plan. What is your sense of that, given that the year three action plan, at least according to the calendar, should be coming out uh, within the next several months? And what kind of feedback are you getting on the action that people are seeing on the year two plan, Claire? Yeah, agencies were really um, encouraged to continue to make progress on the actions and milestones um, uh, in the 2021 plan to the extent that was practical, um, recognizing that uh, the the transition year was a little are always a little bit um, uh, can cause some interruptions. And so we really have been um, focused on the foundational activities of governance, planning, infrastructure, but really with that long-term vision in mind. Data to me is the center of everything. If we get data right, make sure it's safe, secure, private, um, we can really build extraordinary customer experiences and you could um, aspirationally hope for things like giving uh, your information to a, a government agency once and then you directing its ability to transit into other agency environments. And, and we know that we need to do that in the most safe, secure, private, um, equitable way that we uh, can. So CDOs are really critical to us um, in this journey. Are you optimistic that despite the fact that you did get a little bit behind in year two because of transition, because of COVID, uh, that you can stay on the 10-year plan that was originally envisioned in the data strategy? You know, I, I'm a bit of a momentum junkie, Francis. <laughs> I, I would like it to be, uh, you know, trim our 10-year plan to an eight-year plan, uh, to a six-year plan, right? I, I am really bullish on what needs to be accomplished, but I do recognize agencies have a lot going on um, and we have to accelerate anything that we're doing methodically and recognize where they are in their journey because every agency is unique. It's not a one-size-fits-all anywhere across government. I can imagine the social media warriors giving me a hard time because we've gotten this far into the conversation and I have not gotten to the technology modernization fund, so I will do so now. What are you seeing as the proposals come in? You're still getting flooded with proposals, it sounds like, and uh, some of the money out, and I imagine I'm, this is my guess, I'm not putting this uh, into your mouth, but I'm going to guess we'll probably see more awards early in the first quarter of calendar 22. What makes a good proposal at this point in time? What are the elements that make a proposal successful in your view, Claire? And how, if at all, has that evolved over time? You know, TMF is a great opportunity for us to really be strategic in the investments that we are making. So, um, you know, the first generation of TMF, um, we put out awards. Um, I, I believe uh, we had a uh, 20 proposals came in in the first couple years and the TMF 1.0, I'll call it, 
um, made 11 investments in three and a half years. We've already made seven investments, um, totaling over $300 million in six months of ARP um, under the American Rescue Plan. So we have been sprinting as hard as we can to uh, get this emergency um, money out the door. But we are also being very methodical. We want to make sure that we are focused on proposals that have great leadership backing, that are good technically, that are aligned to cybersecurity and IT roadmaps um, so that we can uh, launch tools and uh, technology that, again, you've heard me say this too many times already, secure by design, that we can improve that, you know, improve a simple, seamless, secure customer experience, and that these can be scaled across government. Um, to my earlier point that we are all solving the same problems at many agencies, um, really getting those base learnings, um, are, it's an important factor that we consider as we're making these strategic investments. Maybe it was just coincidence, Claire, but I note that the first element of an important proposal that you mentioned was leadership backing. That doesn't have anything to do with technology. That has to do with the vision that the agency has and how important it is to the agency, it sounds like. Yeah, it, it, we want it to be focused on mission, but it can't be an IT project that IT is doing, thinking that the customers will come, right? There are often times that we have to do things as CIOs, being a former CIO, um, that are very tactical and, and you know, um, very focused on infrastructure or cloud security, for example. Um, so those are really important, but making sure that the CFO the senior leadership of the agency, the CIO, your chief procurement executives are all aligned is really important to us because if, if we are able to make a strategic award and then it's going to take another year to get a contract in place and then another year to spin that contract up, we're not really having the impact um, based on these emergency appropriations that we were given to remediate some cyber issues and to deal with COVID-19 pressures that are put on agencies. So to me, leadership is really critical. If all of the leaders show up and really are behind this project, I know it is going to have a greater chance of success because they will have skin in the game and be removing obstacles on a monthly basis. And that's what is challenging about IT. Other things pop up, other priorities shift, but you need to stay focused on completing an endeavor. A final thought, Claire, I'm grateful for your time today. You've been very generous to, to talk to me for this amount of time. Um, I saw your speech at the executive leadership conference that ACT IAC hosted back in October. And you said in that speech that we should be unwilling to postpone what is possible. What does that look like at the agency level? What does that mean for the way that agencies think about what they're doing and the way that they execute on their individual day-to-day -day lives, their agendas every day, not just these big concepts that we've talked about in our conversation today? Yeah, it, it, that, that line really struck me. It, it was a line right after we do this, not because it's easy, because it's hard. Um, and it just really was something that to me met the moment. Um, you know, we are still dealing with a pandemic. We are still dealing with cybersecurity threats on a daily basis. And um, it's hard running an agency. It's hard being a CIO or any leader in an agency um, where you have multiple pressures uh, 
coming at you on a daily basis. But I think what is gets me so uh what meant so much to me about that is it's easy sometimes for us to be um, the methodical um, CIOs where we have a list of things and we're going down the list and checking things off. Right now, because of this administration, because of the funding that we are receiving through the uh, you know IIJA and hopefully Build Back Better and the American Rescue Plan, this is a unique moment. And I really don't want people to postpone what is possible. This customer experience work is possible right now. Doing this journey mapping and these moments that matter, all of us working together across OMB and the federal government with the President's Management Council, all of that is possible. We are convened. We are actively doing this as a community, as a government community. And we know that we can change things for the American public. We can make, you can, you know, renew your passport online. Um, folks that have student aid can, uh, you know, loans can look at things in a more seamless way. We know all of these things are possible. And I'm just asking, uh, I ask myself every day not to postpone what I know is possible and to keep pushing um, uh, things forward and trying to deliver better services to the American public. That's why we're all here. Claire Martirano, the Chief Information Officer of the United States, thanks very much for your time today. Thank you very much, Francis. One thing I would say, come and join us on this journey. Um, If you're interested in joining government service, there's lots of ways that you can serve. And I would just encourage you to come and join us and support many of these efforts. You can read more about the TMF and the other items Claire referenced in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. Now, if you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together every day, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Coming Tuesday, the outgoing head of the CMMC board, Carlton Johnson. Until then, I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.